I pray. I pray that tonight, Lord, as we learn about your oneness, about your design for oneness, Lord God, that we would come to the understanding that it is all embedded in you. It is all embedded in your spirit and what you came to show us and what you came to model. Father, is available for every believer of Jesus Christ. Father, as your children tonight, I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see who you are and who you are calling us as your people. Father, it is all embedded in you. All embedded in you. Father God, I'm shaken, I'm petrified of what I'm bringing tonight. But I pray that as Paul prayed in Colossians 3, 14, Lord, that tonight we would put on love for one another. That is the bond of perfect unity. Show us tonight, Lord, that if we do not have a full revelation of what your love is and what your love is capable of doing and transforming within our lives, I pray that right now you would come. You would come like a mighty flood in this place and bring your love. Holy Spirit, that your presence would come and reveal, Father, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will not deny us if we call out to you and we cry out for more of who you are. I pray that at the very center of us tonight would be your love, not our love in the flesh, but who you are, Lord Jesus, and what you did in and through the cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Please take a seat, guys. Tonight, I want to share with you why I believe that interdependence And oneness is important for us as the body of Christ. And God has just ruined me for this this week. If you'll allow me, I just, I want to get honest in sharing my pastoral heart for what I see happening in his body and how the picture that I see backed up by the prompting of the Spirit. And in His Word has really helped me to see that more than ever we are being invited, no, we're being urged and encouraged by the Father into this oneness for the sake of a much bigger picture that includes not only our time here on earth, but also equally as importantly, our time in the eternal 
So here it goes. And I, I just, I want you to, to hear this in love tonight. Because it is so important that we are embedded more and more in His love as these things are revealed and as these things are shared. And what I have to share tonight is of me. It's not of Greg. It's not of anyone else on the leadership team. So if there's things that rock you up the wrong way or unnerve you, please, I'll clear my schedule this week to be able to sit down to chat and to um, to go through these things. But this is this is what I see and this is why. This is the why for me that we need to come into oneness. Here it goes. I see offense in the body that has not been resolved as Christ models in Matthew 18:15. I see a wave of people struggling with the divide of old mindsets and willing to let go and allow God who stands right next to us to direct us into a new season of freedom in him. I've seen loneliness, I've seen hurt, regret and shame, and a lack of identity in Christ that we can put right through receiving what is presented to us so beautifully in his word. I've had brothers and sisters, dear friends of mine, who have left this community under circumstances that I've felt helpless to assist or to aid. And as a leader of this house, I've also struggled with personal belief in the call on my life and receiving the support of those that are around me. This is not a pretty picture, I understand, to start with. Not the greatest note that you want to go hard out on. But you know what? I have hope. I have hope that what is being revealed in this house, what has happened in the past, and what God is leading us through right now, revealing the conditions of our hearts and minds and what God is even releasing me of in my own mindset is happening because of what he wants us to call. He wants to call us to himself and also into oneness and interdependence with one another. And it's he who has begun this good work in each of us that will will be faithful to go on to complete it. He's faithful in that. And with a picture like this, it, it, it doesn't cause me to, 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 to be downhearted, downhearted or distressed, but it gives me a greater desire for this interdependence, this oneness, because the outcome of oneness is far greater than what being outside of oneness, than, than being in our individuality, in our little pockets or in our own little circles could ever produce. The power of oneness brings about transformation and life, not only for those that are actually walking in it, but also for those that see it from an outside perspective. But we will not attain this oneness by ourselves or in our own strength. It can only be achieved by planting ourselves in Christ and having it revealed to us by the Spirit. And to illustrate this, I want us to go to John 15. So if you turn to me, turn with me, John 15, and we're going to look at from 
verse 1 to 17. The vine and the branches. And just before we read that, I just want to pray again. Father, I thank you for your perfect design and oneness. I thank you, Lord, that there is so much that we can obtain through your word. And I thank you for this scripture. I thank you for what you revealed to me in the spirit, in the secret. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that as we read together, Lord, that you will unlock the mysteries of your word and make them not only apparent to our minds, but sit and develop and grow as good seed to good soil. Thank you, Lord. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his own, for, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you my friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. We're going to pick up on the second half of that scripture shortly, but I wanted us to focus firstly up to verse 8. And so many questions come out of this. Who is the vine? Just shout it out. Jesus. Okay, so are our lives a reflection of remaining in the vine, no matter what the circumstance. If not, what are we doing to change that posture? Do we accept that the vine 
is the only place that we can receive satisfaction, that we can receive peace, that we can receive joy, that we can receive fulfillment, that we can receive comfort? Or do we have a skewed understanding of Christ that prevents us from planting ourselves truly into him? The The scripture clearly speaks about the importance of abiding in him. We cannot attain anything if we're not planted in him. Verse 5 says, without me, you can do nothing. And, and this is, you know, part and parcel of why we're constantly speaking and reiterating here as the body the importance of intimacy. The importance of intimacy with, with, with God. The intimacy with the Father. Because if we're not planted in him, if we're not planted in, in the very, uh, in the very, nature, the very character, the, the very thing that he's directing us in, we're doing it out of, a, out of accordance with, with what we're actually being called to. Without him at the center and operating out of the spirit, oneness, as we've tried to achieve in the past, is just pure conformity. But Christ desires us to be of the spirit. The book of Romans constantly reiterates to be of the Spirit. And as I look over this um, this particular uh, chapter in this particular book of the Bible, it's it's just no coincidence to me the timing of the presentation of, of this word that Jesus brings to his disciples, and um, and particularly in conjunction with the fact that he's just about to leave them. So they're coming towards the end of the Passover meal and he's sitting and he's instructing them about the importance of abiding in him, the importance of staying um, true to, to his word, to have faith and to abide in him. And this is, this is beautiful because these are just three things that I um, was just unpacking as to maybe the, the thoughts and, and the possibilities of the direction of the disciples how and, and what could have happened to them. There is the potential that Jesus, after leaving them, being crucified and dying, they would have been tempted to, to leave him, leave being in his presence, leave being and abiding in him and choose to return to the, the ways of Moses. And therefore, the importance of, of, of that potential being there is he tells them how necessary it is that we should be in, uh, we should by faith adhere to him and abide in him. Secondly, um, they would be tempted to grow estranged to one another. You know, we saw that, um, that some went back to their, their previous jobs. They went back to fishing. Peter denied, um, Christ, uh, even while he was alive. Um, and therefore, you know, he presses the importance of Loving one another. And to keep up the communion as well when he was gone. And that is just a, again, another beautiful picture that, um, that they would always have the greater vision and insight of Christ preparing a house for his bride. And that his bride would be preparing themselves for his return. And to be having that as a, as a constant reminder. So he's preparing them. He's preparing them. The importance of of walking together, the importance of loving one another and to be holding this communion, the, the importance of, of having faith 
and adhering to him. And then lastly, the, the, the potential that they would be tempted to shrink from their apostleship when they met with hardships. And therefore, he prepared them to bear the shock of the world's ill will. I truly believe that these same questions are being asked of us as a community today, church. You know, we may not have Jesus physically with us right now, but what has he given us instead? He's given us his Holy Spirit. And where does the Spirit live? It lives within us. So inside you and me, do, you, do we find ourselves tempted to leave the Spirit of Christ that is on a person and go back to our old thinking? Or will we by faith see the Spirit on one another and walk together? It's such a huge thing that if we can have our mindsets transformed of instead of seeing each other from flesh to flesh, but actually seeing as we were called to, spirit to spirit, that I would see and I would look upon you in a whole different light. A whole different light. It frees me to not only receive from you, but also walk with you more because I'm not, look, I'm not walking with fr- uh, flesh, but I'm walking with the Christ that is being built up within that person. How exciting it would be to, for us all to be walking with that mindset, walking with, that, with those eyes to see. I truly believe that that is a key aspect of what he's calling us to oneness, that I wouldn't look at Greg in the flesh, but I would look at the Spirit of Christ that's within him. I wouldn't look at Jonathan as Jonathan in the flesh, but I'd see the Spirit of Christ on Jonathan's life and would choose to walk with him in that area. Secondly, that whole question of would we grow estranged from one another should things go pear-shaped? Should these things that I've spoken about really get to us and affect us? Would we walk away from one another? Or would we put on the love that I spoke about in Colossians 3? But the sacrificial love for one another, which is directed not by human love, not by man's love, but by God's love. Sandra gave us a beautiful picture the other week um, from the Genesis story about how it's always been God's intention that we would first be reconciled back to him, but that we'd also be reconciled back to one another. And the importance of the love that Christ showed for us on the cross is to compel us, is to draw us closer to one another. In verse 9 of, of John 15, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain not only in the love that I have for you right now, but the love that I'm going to show to you when I go on to the cross. And also the love that I show you through sending my Spirit. The very thing that Christ wants us to bind us in is his love. In his love. And love for one another. And then the third thing of 
asking ourselves the question as to whether we'd be tempted to shrink back from our purpose, from from what He is calling us as a body, as His people to carry out. Will we shrink back? And the only thing that's going to prevent that is either ourselves or allowing the enemy to communicate lies over us and in us. It's the very aim of the enemy to isolate us. If he does that, we allow him to get into our thinking and shrink back from what God is calling us out towards. But this cannot happen, uh, sorry, this, this cannot happen if we are one. It cannot happen if, if we're interdependent and if we're reliant upon one another. One another's experiences, one another's giftings, one another's insight from the Spirit. Sometimes we separate ourselves for various different reasons. What I would love for us to walk in, and again, this comes from a prompting of the Spirit, is, is a recognition that He is calling us to one another. He's calling us to one another that we would not shrink back from the very things that He's calling us to but that we would encourage one another, we would edify one another, we would walk together to show a world that Jesus was sent for you and I. And the disciples had their eyes opened to the importance of this oneness as they received the Spirit together. Not necessarily at that point in John 15, but as we journey together in the Spirit Oneness will bear much fruit. And the fruit that we will see is more of Him in our lives. Galatians 5:22 to 26. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is the thing about a a vine and being planted in the vine that is Christ. Is that He is wanting us to bear fruit. What is it that you expect to get when you plant a lemon tree? Lemons. What do you expect? Funny guy. What do you expect to get when you plant an apple tree? Apples. So what is it that you expect to see when we are rooted in the very thing of Christ, the very plant of Christ? We should be seeing more and more of Him in us, more and more of us in, and us, him and us, and the fruit, because it is the fruit is him. It's all of those things, but it's it's one fruit. It's one fruit. We won't be a people that just bring one aspect of the fruit, but in all, but all into to each and every situation as we walk out in oneness. You see, if we try to separate. Those, uh, those very key, uh, things into, um, into separate fruits. 
we, we run the, the, the problem of actually not being one. And I'll tell you, tell you why, because if you, uh, if I was to come to Debbie and, um, God revealed something of the Spirit, um, uh, that I needed to communicate to Debbie and I knew that I needed to bring it in love, but I came up to Debbie and I said, Debbie, you sinner. Exactly. The ham would go straight up. But the importance of having love and gentleness, love and humility, love and joy in that environment changes the atmosphere, changes the very perception as we communicate, as we have fellowship, as iron sharpens iron. So I'm, I can love you. <laughs> but I can love you with hell, <laughs> fire and stone. <laughs> but God is calling me in this situation to bring it in gentleness so that Debbie can receive and can walk in the greater reality that God is calling her to. That makes a difference. The same as, say, patience without peace. It can leave us out of, out of balance. You know, if we're patient with somebody, but they keep walking and walking round and round the mountain, and things don't change and things don't change, will we still hold the attitude of peace that God is holding that person and is guiding them and is wanting to to share and to communicate things with them on a great level that they would come to know Him? I could easily have patience on, on its own but be running around like a headless chicken in this house trying to fix everybody without resting in the peace that my almighty God has each and every one of you in his almighty hands. So, why do we need it? I shared at the beginning that these are things that I've seen, things that I've struggled with myself. Of the love and the humility that comes from abiding in Him and through the revelation of His Spirit is what we need to be seeking more and more and more as His body. And that comes in so many different ways of walking with one another, walking in your life groups together, walking in close relationship that we would have our eyes opened to seeing the very pattern, the very thing that Christ has laid out for us. And we will see great things as we walk into this. He says in verse 8 that this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And I'm sorry to say that at the moment, we're not there. We've got to be honest. We've got to admit that we're, we're not at that place. But I know he wants us to be. He desires it. He desires it. But we have to be the solution in this, in this whole area by acknowledging, by pressing in, by walking with one another humbly and seeing the very thing that he's wanting to reveal through this oneness, through this interdependence upon one another. 
Can I get the band um, to get back up again? I wouldn't speak a message like this if I didn't think it was possible. Revelations, uh, the book of Revelation is riddled time and time and time again of those who overcome shall inherit, shall walk in, shall have. And like the disciples at the time when Jesus presented this picture of the vine and of them being planted in the vine with one another, it was a crucial time. It could have been the very end of the thing that Christ intended because the disciples could have chosen to go their own way. They could have chosen not oneness but individuality. They could have chosen the easy road out. But instead, through the revealing of the Spirit, thank you for the upper room, they came into a greater revelation of the importance of that oneness. And now we are a byproduct of that 2,000 2000 years later. But right now we are experiencing, not just as the rock, but as the church as a whole, these things once again. And the question that lies for us is, will we choose to overcome once again, to walk in oneness, to walk interdependently with one another and be people who said, yes, Lord, we overcame. We overcame. We saw what was coming against us, but with one another, with your spirit, with the direction that you have given us through your word, we stood strong. We united together. We became one. And as we became one, people saw that we were yours, that we were your disciples. And people were hungry for you because they have never seen anything like it in this world. So I'd ask you just to stand with me. just close your eyes I want to read a couple of scriptures over you that tonight we would not only receive them but that God would bring a conviction to press in for that very thing that we would be known as the overcomers that we would be known as his people. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you have grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, one body, you are called to peace, not to war, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you that you walked with 12 and you showed us the model of oneness. Lord, that you would continue to walk when we would make mistakes. You would continue to love when anger came back, Lord, that you would continue to share compassion and truth when we got it wrong. And Father, today, as your body, Lord, we desire oneness. We desire to walk in interdependence with one another, that anger, that shame, that loneliness would not separate us, Lord, but we would draw to one another through the love of Jesus Christ and through the compassion that you showed and desire you showed on the cross. Make us one, Lord, in your spirit. Show us through the revelation of your spirit that we can only be one through you, that we would overcome, Lord, that we would overcome that we would see the fruit of the Spirit come to life in this house, in every single person's life. And I'll speak that happening now, Lord. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control would be flooding this place, Lord God. But you would be flooding this place in each of our lives as we submit to you. Thank you, Lord.